it was just before the Passover feast. This is where we arrive. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Jesus is leaving soon, really soon. It's the last evening session um, with dinner, if you like, uh, before he goes away. John tells of this farewell teaching uh, in chapters 13 uh, to 16, this farewell discourse, as it's sometimes called. Jesus has washed their feet, predicted denial and betrayal, and is seeking to comfort his disciples as he goes to prepare a place for them. It sounds an awful lot like Jesus is wrapping up his ministry. Jesus His leaving is framing everything that he's saying and doing this night. This news, this teaching is confusing. It's unsettling. The disciples are suddenly facing the unexpected, facing disconcerting change, feeling fear and disbelief that the hope, the promise of their lives, of a nation is fading And if that wasn't bad enough, Jesus um, is 11, because um, Judas has gone out into the night. These 11 guys are losing a friend, a mentor, a master, and a messiah, even. What do you mean, going? Surely, Jesus, it would be better if you stayed. Better for Israel. Better for us. We need you by our side. I wonder, do you agree with that? I find myself on a similar wavelength to uh, Peter and Thomas, uh, Philip and Judas here. Uh, They're the guys that have been talking a lot in this passage. Um, Not Judas Iscariot, because he's gone out tonight, the other Judas. Jesus sticking around would be a massive help for them. Brilliant for the watching crowds. What his enemies needed in understanding, establishing and proving who he was and what um, that meant for them, yeah? It's too soon to end this. Don't bring the, the, the plane into land now, yeah? It's, you've got so much more to do. Don't stop it here. And wouldn't it be an advantage to you as well, to to me, to our mission on campus, if we had Jesus to show people now like it was back then? Jesus here, wouldn't it be proof, undeniable proof, he is who we actually claim him to be? Just ponder that a moment, okay? Jesus preaching at MYC, not me, I prefer that. At Citywide, guiding us through a fellowship group or breakfast Bible study, being our leadership development leader. How much would you like to bring your friends along to Christianity 1A if it was Jesus? (laughs) Jesus continuing on by our side, wouldn't it change everything? Like everything. Can you imagine? And you know what, Uni Fellowship? He knows you daydream it. He knows you daydream it even a little. 
However, Jesus disagrees with you, with me. You see, the 11 here are thinking, we're going to lose because Jesus is leaving us. Who could take Jesus's place? No one. Nothing could. But the disciples are missing the fact that it's actually for their benefit that Jesus goes away. Consider that. Do you agree with Jesus? For my benefit. But what about the weight of the Great Commission? What about the union, my friends? It's such an antagonistic and just disinterested world. For my benefit? You see, Jesus needs to be absent from them, from you, so they, so we can receive the Spirit. His going means the Holy Spirit is coming. Verse 5 there. Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So I guess the question becomes, is the Holy Spirit in you better than Jesus beside you? Is the Holy Spirit in you better than Jesus beside you? Jesus says it is. Is that what you believe? Jesus is telling them someone will take his place, a person like him, actually. He's spoken him about him a number of times so far. We're only kind of getting sort of the main little slab here. Unless Jesus goes, the counsellor in verse 7, or helper, advocate, comforter, depending on the translation, will not come. But it will be better when he does. Better for you. And actually, better for those who don't take the name Christian. Why? Well, for three main reasons. And this is what we're going to look at tonight. Better because of the Holy Spirit work of conviction, better because of the Holy Spirit's work of revealing, and better because of the Holy Spirit's work of glorifying. So firstly, the Spirit's coming is better because of his work of conviction, verses 8 to 11. The Spirit is the one who shows people who they really are in God's sight. Verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and in judgment. In regard to sin, because men, people do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can no longer see me. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. With Jesus going, who then is going to convince people about the truth? How could that possibly happen? Well, it will be the Spirit. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. It is uh, this role and responsibility that will actually bring many from the world in, to faith in Jesus. Now, the world uh, in um, uh, John's Gospel, according to John, is used as a symbol for all that is in rebellion against God, all that is loveless and disobedient. Okay, it doesn't mean so much the physical planet or even a way of simply noting people, although that, that's true. Um, it is this world, this loveless, rebellious world that God 
entered and so loved and this world the son is being given for and so it makes sense that the holy spirit the one like him would be outward looking entering the same world and working to apply god's concern and love towards the world by helping it actually know itself and him rightly so the idea of conviction here is to bring to light or expose it's not a condemning kind of conviction so the spirit's convicting work here concerns three key areas firstly convicting verse nine in regard to sin because people do not believe in me Jesus is saying that the world's unbelief in him is actually the driver and maintainer of its lovelessness and disobedience. Have you ever wondered um, what the core of the world's moral imperfections and lawlessness actually is? What the root of our damaged lives is? What's under the mess? Well, it all arises from a failure to trust in Jesus, to not recognise him, to not acknowledge and accept who Jesus really is. You see, there's no better sign or mark of sin than refusing to believe who Jesus is. It's the quintessential sin of unbelief in Jesus that is actually humankind's biggest issue. Now, there might be a lot of things people get wrong and that you'd like to see changed or improved about them. But that is just top surface behaviour. Don't get hung up on that or make your first aim to try and disciple uh, people out of that. Disciple that out of them. The spirit doesn't. His work is to get under this and unearth what matters. He'll make sure that people get the heart of their sin is about knowing Jesus with the goal that they'll know Jesus. And it was the spirit, wasn't it, that did that for you, didn't he? He did it for me. Didn't he take you to the real issue? And isn't that what you needed? And he'll do that for your friends. You see, when your mates actually begin to be open to working through the idea that they are a sinner, that, that is the precious work of the Spirit, drawing alongside them and helping them to get it. That's awesome. That's his work. Secondly, convicting in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Our righteousness here is linked to the world's righteousness. Now, okay, that sounds a bit odd, kind of like the world is in some way upright before God. But the world's righteousness is what it holds as appropriate in behaviour. The values it sees worth treasuring and what its people understand as their standing before God. It's kind of both a character and status thing. The idea is that the spirit will show up, if you like, 
the type of righteousness that the world holds, which is actually an unrighteousness. Get that? One of Jesus's crucial concerns during his ministry was to set the world's false righteousness over and against his matchless righteousness. As Jesus is leaving his earthly setting, who is it that will continue to show up to draw alongside the world's righteousness for what it really is and drive home conviction of sin and false righteousness? For his counsellor will. You see, this was the problem of the Pharisees of John's time and for people like Paul. Listen to what Paul says. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. That's that false righteousness at play there. Yet it's not just Israel and her leaders that try to establish their own standing and status before God. We're actually just the same. We did it. Those in your life who don't believe in Jesus are doing it. And those who do believe in Jesus in a religious manner, like Paul, are doing it. You were, and they will be, living by some system, law and practice, whether conscious of it or not. That's the way of humanity, our friends and family, of trying to establish and and keep up a, a goodness before people and before our private selves, right? creating usually um, as much weight on on a kind of our side of the scales as we can and a big enough safety uh, net for whatever for for whenever that kind of moment comes when we take our last breath so that we will hopefully be okay our default you see is to think um, that we are okay or at least that we can be good enough we aim to come to God whether now or when we die, on our terms with what we've got that we'll think will be okay. But the Spirit wakes us up to the foolishness of our dirt-ragged righteousness and shows us the beauty of the in-the-rightness that Jesus offers Until a person, until your friends, until you were, until one who is satisfied with their own goodness, however inconsistent, feels their inadequacy and their self-centeredness, perceives the shortcomings of uh, their systems and their practices and their ritualistic habits, they will not see their need for Jesus and why coming to him is such good news. This is the amazing job of the Spirit. Convicting, verse 11, in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Thirdly, the Spirit will convict concerning judgment. Now, throughout John's Gospel, we see the world judges wrongly, chapter 7, For instance, in Jesus' judgment is right and true in chapter 8, for instance. It is imperative 
it realizes its mistaken conclusions and incorrect verdicts on spirituality and spiritual realities. The world already stands condemned and its leaders have lost, um, and its leader has lost its place, his place. The leader being the devil. All the false judgments of the world are tied to this celestial ringleader of all that is unloving and disobedient. And he stands condemned. He's lost. Why? Well, because Jesus has triumphant. He has he is victorious. The ruler of the air, along with his world and all those who follow in the train of his lies, will be exposed to judgment. It's the spirit's work to cause the world to see its current status before God and see its final destination. He will bring about that realisation of their consequences and the cloud under which they sit. So we see here is the spirit's great work to convict. Unifellowship. It will be him that will drive home conviction in a person's heart, that will drive home conviction in a person's mind. So it is felt and it is understood. He will convince them. He will plant the word, soften hearts, inspire desire to seek, cause scales to fall from eyes, ears to be unstopped, barriers to be breached, clears off, clear offs, on campuses to be, I want to hear more on sofas. So people will turn to faith in Jesus being the Messiah. He will, not me, not you. He will. It is a deep, powerful and mysterious work he will do that he does. One only that the Spirit of God can do. Reaching what is unreachable by me. Enabling what only he can enable. Influencing in a way that I just can't. He will do it. I find that really liberating. And kind of a little bit exciting as well. And I hope that you do. And I hope it helps us to relax a little bit when it comes to sharing your faith. Don't take on a size of role and responsibility that just isn't yours, okay? Hopefully that helps carrying the Great Commission that little bit lighter. He will do it. Now, of course, we have a work to do but that deep work of convicting is the spirits. And I think it's a comfort, right, when we can, like, if I can just change this now, to the world here is supposed to be the globe, right? But let's just, let's just reinvent this for a moment. Missionaries to the world, as in John's understanding, the rebellious, loveless place, right? Um, God has given us his spirit, his spirit will come the world. And so that helps us as we're missionaries, right? That as we're in that world, 
being missionaries, the work of the Spirit is to convict that world of sin. And hopefully that's encouraging. And just know it takes time as well. It's not always an instant, super quick thing. It normally takes time. You think of all the systems and false lies and things that you didn't get, that you didn't understand. It takes time. There's a big, deep work that the Spirit will do. So find comfort in that, please. The Holy Spirit's coming is better because of his work of completing the revelation of God in Jesus. Chapter 16 Uh, Verse 12 to 14, the spirit is the one who will make everything known about Jesus that needs to be understood from and about him. Everything needs to be understood from and about him. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There is much more Jesus wants to say. More to be explained, stepped through, developed, more connections and conclusions to be communicated. Yet it's too much to take on right now. The disciples, they can't get it. Their hearts are too troubled to think and feel straight. Later will be better. Later. The issue just before us was, Jesus, if, if you're going, how will the world be convinced and convicted? This now raises the question for the 11, and I guess also for us, if there is more to be said, Jesus, and you're going... How then will we know it? Where will we hear it? Who is going to step in and tell us the much more that you want to say? Jesus' answer, he will send the one just like him, the spirit of truth. That's another name for the Holy Spirit that describes what he's going to do. Now, the spirit's revealing work here concerns a few areas. Firstly, The spirit will guide into all truth through speaking, verse uh, 13 there. But but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and um, he will tell you what is yet to come. Where is the spirit going to guide? The spirit's guidance will be into the revelation of God, intrinsically bound up with Jesus. Jesus As the truth God has made known, the spirit will explain all Jesus is about and all it means to believe in him. The disciples will be brought to this and they'll get this truth, not simply kind of just pointed and sort of prompted in the right direction. And so the disciples were, weren't they? They were led to a greater, a full understanding of the events that had taken place with Jesus and all the significance of them. The truth came out, if you like, by the Spirit. 
and it's when the Spirit comes to the disciples at Pentecost in Acts 2, we start to see that happen, don't we? And so that leads us into the second area. The Spirit will depend on Jesus for his revelation in all that he will make known. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So we see the content of what the Spirit speaks is directed by Jesus because the Spirit is dependent on Jesus. The Spirit will use what is Jesus's. His guidance in truth comes from this place, if you like. Just as Jesus, um, the Son, is dependent on the Father for his revelation, so here the Spirit will rely on Jesus for what the truth is that was communicated and how it's to be interpreted. And so we actually know now, don't we, that the Spirit's voice was heard, was written down. And was recorded in various accounts by multiple witnesses um, that had been with Jesus right from the beginning. In particular, the authors of the Old Testament, which uh, the New Testament, which, you know, a, a bunch of these guys are here. The spirit through the first disciples has now completed the revelation of God in Jesus. All Jesus wanted to say to you, to the world, is captured here accessible here all jesus went on to say spoken by the spirit by the spirit's breath in the work of the bible you think you've kind of been listening to peter over these two days well in one way that was jesus's lesson by the spirit of the greatness of salvation and how to live a holy life that was the greater things. The, the much more is what Peter had to say as he unpacked the spirit brought to Peter, the fullness of what these events were. I find that pretty cool. Now, because the Holy Spirit takes the same message of Jesus and has the same purpose in what is taught and reminded and revealed, his ministry shows the disciples, and so you and I, that the Holy Spirit is not coming and has not come with his own additions uh, from his perspective, kind of like a third uh, party to the project. The Spirit doesn't compete in what Jesus says. He doesn't subtly undermine um, what Jesus says, and um, he doesn't and he won't talk gobbledygook that doesn't make sense. He, um, he doesn't cast uh, pioneering new paradigms launching off from Jesus's teaching, kind of successive material part two. That's not what he's going to do, nor is he going to come um, in silence, communicating only through force and subjective impressions that are left down to your feelings to decide the wording he is saying. That's not how the spirit is going to operate. The promise here is first and foremost to the disciples. The Spirit's revelation is coming to them and to them only. They'll get 
this official, authoritative and final content. Not you and not me. This means that the spirit um, won't and hasn't been uh, popping back at certain periods in history to speak updated additions to people who happen to have a passion um, for God to kind of rework and reword what he says. He isn't the author of fresh, ongoing, modern revelation that is binding for the Christian. Anyone who is thus saying the Lord actually is not really backed by the spirit. You and I have the full and final content from those it was first given here. Uni fellowship, everything for our mission and your Christian life you need to hear from God is here. There are no guides into truth anywhere else. You and I in this text set font before us is where God's full revelation in Jesus comes to us. We haven't missed out. We haven't missed out not having Jesus here by our side. And This in the scriptures is the place you can be sure to encounter the voice of God revealed in Jesus by the work of the Spirit. And it is here where the Holy Spirit continues to speak today, revealing the revelation, if you like, illuminating the message first spoken, guiding you and I into the all truth that he first revealed to the disciples by speaking it to us in the present taking you to Jesus as Messiah so you believe and you keep believing. It's an awesome work because the work of the Holy Spirit is to speak this word. That's what he does. You simply need to listen and you will start to hear. It's amazing. Is that what you're doing when you seek God? Is that where you go uh, to find his voice? That's all you need to do. You see, when you read the Bible, is a profound Holy Spirit moment. Because the Spirit has spoken this word, and it's by the Spirit we understand this Spirit word. And so... Reading it is a powerful spiritual encounter with Jesus. It's amazing. Now, sometimes we feel that more than other times, of course. But the reality is there. The objective truth is there that this is the Spirit's word to us. Perhaps one reason you might not hear God speaking is because maybe you haven't just haven't really acknowledged or realised he is speaking, regardless of how you feel. That accidentally maybe you've been looking for a feeling or, I don't know, an audible voice even, or just the kind of room vibe for it to kind of happen. Rather instead going, God... You are speaking and you will speak. Wow. What are you saying? I'm listening. 
that is why uni fellowship we come together around the bible and spend so much time on it listening why our mission is full of it we want to hear what god says so we can speak it out having the word of god dwell richly in our meetings not just for us who are christians but for those among us who wouldn't identify as christians why so that they will know that God is truly among you. Yeah? So they will re- respond in repentance and faith. That's an awesome work of the Spirit. It's an awesome gift of the Spirit that we have. Now, thirdly and lastly, the Holy Spirit's coming is better because of his work of bringing glory to Jesus. Everything that the Holy Spirit will do and does in the world and in the Christian is to magnify Jesus, make his name great. The reason the Spirit does this work um, of uh, glorification um, here is to bring us to Jesus. Now, Jesus at the moment is speaking of a, uh, a different glorification to the one imminent that's going to happen, uh, the cross and resurrection. Um, here, as we come to Jesus' final words about the Holy Spirit, what does he emphasise As he comes to his dying days, well, the central and often overlooked work of the Spirit to glorify Jesus as Messiah. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to bring glory to the Son. Just as the Son brought glory to the Father, so the Spirit will bring glory to Jesus. Glory as the Spirit unveils the fullness and greatness of salvation found in the Son. The Son is glorified. As all the works of Jesus, his wonders and words are displayed through the proclamation of the good news, his glory is seen. As the invitation to believe in the Son and have life in his name rings out and responses of repentance are received, glory is given. As the Spirit transforms people by growing fruit and giving gifts to produce those good works, glory is given. The Spirit's work of glorifying means Jesus is brought all praise, all honour and all renown. Unifellowship, I think this is the Holy Spirit's greatest labour, his greatest love, to light up Jesus to make him known? Is it not his great pleasure to speak of and take us to the Son so we might believe in him and by believing him have eternal life? You becoming a Christian, for someone to become a Christian, is not only an incredible miracle, it it is, but it's actually a moment where Jesus is lifted high where Jesus is lit up. And it is this way that the Holy Spirit is kind of like a floodlight 
if you like. He acts to show up the beauty and the breathtaking nature of the sun, like a floodlight um, brings clearly and most strikingly to relief all the architectural features of a building um, as it shines in the darkness. One theologian has said it really well, a guy called Packer says um, about this floodlight idea, he says, the spirit's message is never look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me, but always look at him and see his glory, listen to him, hear his words, go to him, have life with him, get to know him and taste his gift of joy. It is super important for this and and any other Holy Spirit um, stuff that you do that you and I understand the work of the Spirit first, first and foremost in relation to Jesus. We have to get what the Spirit means to Jesus. When we understand what the Spirit um, means, when we understand what um, Jesus means to the spirit then we'll understand who the spirit is and what he does and so we'll understand the significance of that for us and our lives whether christian or not you see as soon as you um loose the holy spirit off um, from um, jesus and kind of start examining him in isolation he'll be Um, misunderstood actually uh, uh, and misrepresented unfortunately and I think you can kind of spot this slide um, or accidental divorce or overemphasis taking place um, because this person or these gatherings will look to the spirit to bring them glory now it might not be um, stated in such terms it can play out in more subtle ways. But the Holy Spirit starts to be think, um, spoken of more of a thing to be a prayed down, a kind of special guest that we have the authority to welcome in, one um, to almost conjure up and coerce into doing what we command for a feel-good time to ensure a successful meeting there to kind of just create a powerful personal moment in us, kind of like a type of God magic. He becomes a power to be tapped into or harnessed like an unpredictable uh, force, and he can become an it, or just the mere experiential side of God, perhaps just boiled down to like the raw substance of the love of God uh, that one has to get or even kind of go away to get. And so actually who is just there for your blessing, your glory. So let's not be people who seek the spirit to light up ourselves, but light up the sun. When we get what the work of the Spirit is and what it means to Jesus and so us, as the disciples later would understand, I hope you can see uni fellowship. That Jesus staying 
sticking around in Palestine, it's too restricting. Him being there is too limiting, isn't it? If he doesn't go, there will be no sending of the Holy Spirit, no realisation and no acceptance of Jesus, no glorification of him and no application of that salvation. There will be no good news for the whole world that he so loves. No way of getting around to everyone. No way of being present to work everywhere. No communicating everything that he wants to tell the disciples and his people that would follow. And that doesn't bring glory to Jesus. That is not better. That is not for my benefit and it isn't for yours or our world yet jesus by the actions of the holy spirit can be jesus to all people not just jesus to some people at some time in some place in somewhere we have to go to what a picture of the work of the holy spirit that was coming and we know has come now just in these small few verses. And the disciples fear that they're going to lose. They're going to miss Jesus' ministry among them and miss out. So let me encourage you to not view the Great Commission, our local campus work, and the message that we have and communicated as restricted by his absence. Less than it could be without him. You let Jesus show you that the work of the one he has sent to you is for your benefit. The Christian, it's you guys. The spirit in us and working among us is better than Jesus beside us because it is the benefit the Holy Spirit is bringing that is going to cause him to be glorified in heaven and on earth and to the ends of the earth, even Utahs down the road. And that those who are not Christian will actually have everything in their advantage in figuring out and coming to believe in Jesus as Messiah. That's awesome. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Holy Spirit that by his work, he would enable the world to believe in Jesus as the Messiah through the message of truth he would reveal so that no one would be left to perish in sin, unrighteousness and judgment and that the Son would be brought glory through this work. Amen. Thank you.